Hosea 4 verse 6 says, my people are are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as priest. And I, I was considering if you, if you, I want to encourage you, if you never read the book of Hosea to, to start from, start from the beginning of that verse, excuse me, in verse, uh, chapter four, I mean, in those verses, he's just, the Lord's laying out for Israel at the time, what was going on in their disobedience and all that kind of stuff and the different things they were doing. But then he goes to the root of why his people, why people are, are being destroyed. Their lives are going off track. And, and, and it goes back to not the, the, what to do and what not to do. But he, I love this. He said, they're being destroyed because they don't know me. Amen. Cause they don't know me. And he goes on and then it, as a pastor, the next line, it says, since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as priest. So he was talking to the people and to the leaders saying, because you don't know me or because you refuse to know me. Now let's go to chapter six and in and, and chapter six. And I'm going to read verses one through three. And I mean, he goes, as we say, he, he goes off for a while. And that, the rest of that chapter in chapter five, he just really starts rebuking the leaders in the land for their, their lack of intimacy or idolatry. And then in verse, uh, chapter six, I'm sorry, in chapter six, starting in verse one, it's a call to repentance. It says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we may know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. Let us press on to know him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that your word is amazing. Your word is is glorious, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that, that you have so graciously blessed us with your eternal word, your living word, that we can continue to to. to uh, meditate on it, to feast on it. Lord, help us tonight that we have a continuous and greater desire to know you like never before. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And then in Philippians, we see Paul, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised them from the dead. As I was finishing up reading through the, the, the book of uh, Hosea here, uh, just uh, the last few days, as I read this a couple of days ago, I actually just finished the book this morning. I was reading a few days back. And as I was reading that, let us press on to know him. I just begin to feel now that we're officially, we had the week of prayer and fasting. And then we had the conference last week, a three-day conference. And, and, and you know, as I was reading this, I just really felt like tonight I wanted to encourage you. Now that prayer and fasting's over, now that the conference is over, and we're somewhat getting back after fasting to normal life, I want to encourage you to continue to press on to know him. Continue to press on to know him. I don't know about y'all, but I know for me in my own personal life, even as a pastor, after times of prayer and fasting, after times of encounters, subconsciously, human nature is you somewhat may go into cruise control spiritually. Is it just me or have you been there? Where you just press in, you press on, you get on fire for the Lord during prayer and fast, and you get on fire for God, or the, the conference, the, the ladies met, then the men, and then we had an awesome night of overflow, awesome services, where that Sunday after Pastor Todd didn't even preach, and just altar was flooded, people getting ministered to, Spirit of God, people getting saved, people getting healed, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. This past Sunday, just awesome outpouring. I want to encourage you, no matter if it's it's the middle of the week, 
if it's Thursday morning, if you've had no matter what, what what's going on, press on to know him. Press on to know him. You know, more than any other prophet, Hosea emphasized the importance of knowing God. You know, Israel, once again, was ultimately being destroyed because they didn't know him. One commentator says it like this. For us, knowledge means information, facts, and concepts. We know that, right? In the day and age of of of, of smartphones and Internet, when we think of like, oh, I, I want to know more about that. We just Google it, right? We just look it up real quick. But that's not the biblical when he says to know the Lord. Biblical times, knowledge was centered around the personal relationship. To know someone is to enter into a close relationship with that person. Knowing God involves much more than simply mastering facts and information about him. It even transcends discussions and the nature and character of God, as important as that is. Knowing God means entering into an intimate relationship with him. It means identifying with God and learning, listen to this, learning to view everything as God views it. Learning to view, when you're intimately knowing the Lord and walking with the Lord, you begin to view things as God sees it. Well, yeah, I know that they say that, but you know, this is what I think about that. No, how does God view that? How does God view it? Knowing God will transform our thoughts Actions, priorities, values, relationships with other fellow human beings. It is far more important than just religious rites, sacrifices, burnt offerings, or any other religious activities that they did then or now. Amen? That's the biblical definition of knowing God. And I think it is very easy in our day and age that we could know about God but not know him. We could know about him. Or, or let me say, I really feel like strongly, uh, you know, in, in this point is pressing in to know him for a week and a half, two weeks. And then, like I said, just easily sliding into that cruise control. But I want to encourage you. I hope by the spirit of God tonight that you are something drops in you and that you are you, you, you are excited about continuing on, pressing on, seeking after him, changing our priorities and our thoughts and our actions and our values to line up with the word of God. Even if the TV goes back on or you start eating regularly again. Amen. Because see, that's the thing. Me and my wife were talking about this again today. How so much stuff once again clutters our time, clutters our mind, clutters our thoughts. You know, I was talking to a man of God the other day and he said, you know, he admitted that he was addicted to his cell phone. I bet you 95% of us in here are addicted to our cell phone. Think about it. When he said it, I was like, oh man, it's so true. We don't, we, we don't just stop anymore. Like we, we can't wait for anything in America anymore. Think about if you have any little bit of downtime, what do you do? Pull out your phone, check the news, check Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, something, right? You check, check sports or check if you stock market, whatever you do, it's so easy to just like, man, I ain't got nothing to do. Let me pull out my phone, right? Isn't that right? But man, it's amazing, you know, getting back to, to, to wanting to know God. I mean, it's fine. I mean, you got your Bible on your phone now and that's great. That is great. But, but you know what? As we pursue to know him, in a greater way, I think all of that begins to change our priority, our time, all the different things that we can do to feed ourselves. So, so how do we do this? How do we continue to, to, to press on to know him? Now, listen, I know the first few are, are basic, so don't check out on me, uh, you know, but I, 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 
you know, we're looking at this. There's obviously we know some of the, the, if you've been in church, been saved for a while, we know the basic things. But even though, let me say this again. Even though we know them, it doesn't mean that we do them. Right? Number one, don't stop praying. I didn't say just pray. Everybody, well, yeah, of course, pray. I didn't say pray. I said don't stop praying. Just because prayer and fasting is over, don't stop praying. Just because we don't have prayer meetings every day, don't stop praying. Just because you're not in a crisis, don't stop praying. I knew I'd only get a few amens on that. Listen with Colossians 1, 9 and 10 says, and this is talking about praying for, for other people, but it applies to us too. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Now listen, all the while, as you, as he's praying and encouraging us to pray, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You will learn to know God better and better if you don't stop praying. You know, and I noticed that as, and you'll see as I started studying and, and putting this together, how many different scriptures talks about learning to know God. Listen, I know it's not an overnight thing. People all the time like, man, how can I learn to hear God's voice? How can, how can I hear? It, it's not always an overnight thing. And once again, because I think of the clutter and all the things in, in, in our minds, even without, I mean, our, our cell phones or something, but our, our, have you noticed how busy our society is? We are a hurry, 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 go, go, go society. You know, and, and, and so to, to, to slow down, you know, going back to, I know we know this and like, don't stop praying. I know, of course, we're going to know God by praying, but you know, I heard a, a statistic a couple of years ago that was staggering, especially as a pastor. You know, Barna, which is like the leading, you know, uh, uh, survey, like a, a group that, that does George Barna. They survey all different churches and people about all kind of different topics. And a couple of years ago, a survey came out that said the average pastor, listen to this, the average pastor prays four minutes a day. That's the pastors. On average, four minutes a day. That's it. So that tells me. If the pastor's only praying four minutes a day, what's the rest of the congregation praying? Now, that's not everybody. That's average. That's not everybody. But that tells me something. That tells me something. Listen, if we, if we remember that, that prayer is constant, it's ongoing communication and communion with the Lord. Amen? It's not just praying with a list, this, this, and that. It's ongoing. I desire to fellowship with the Lord. I desire to spend time with God. I desire, because I know even now, and, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, our mindsets of, of what prayer is. I think we all, we have a picture. When I say praying, we all have a picture of maybe what praying is. I remember I forgot who it was, but years ago, uh, uh, one of the, the, the men of God of old said, you know, I don't usually pray more than a minute at a time. He said, but I don't go more than a minute without praying. So that's what he was saying, that he prays throughout the whole day. He communes with God throughout the day. I don't pray more than a minute, he said, but I don't go more than a minute without praying. He was saying, I have steady communication and communion with the Lord. And that's why I say, hey, listen, don't stop praying. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Let, let prayer, let communion with God be a normal part of your life. And when I say yes, we need to schedule 
scheduled time to have that, that sit down, that, that time with the Lord, that uninterrupted time. But even throughout the day, even if it's simple stuff, thank you, Lord. Lord, help me with this. Lord, what should I do with this? And just as you go on, just as you would talk in, in, in our day and age, just as you would communicate with your wife throughout the day by maybe sending her a text here and there, or calling her just to check at lunch or whatever, it's the same thing with the Lord. Y'all follow me? Y'all with me? You know, Pastor Ty's message goes perfect with this, or this goes perfect with his message about the Holy Spirit on, on uh, Sunday. Uh, he was saying, uh, you know, uh, how, how we need the Holy Spirit, how we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm on my phone because I want to read a quote. I didn't, I thought about it when I was, uh, when I was, I was, I was at the, um, the pew, and so I wanted to pull it up on my phone. But he was saying it, you know, by the Holy Spirit, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, you know, helps us in our prayer. He helps us. When we get filled with the Holy Spirit, our prayer life goes to a whole nother level. Our, our fellowship with God is through the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into another Holy Spirit teaching. But listen, speaking of prayer, Charles Spurgeon said this. An artist, as artists give themselves to their models and poets, to their classic pursuits, so we must addict ourselves to prayer. That's good. He said we must addict ourselves to prayer. You know what? We're, we're addicted to these things. Come on. Let's confess. Come on. Let's go. My name is Brandon and I'm addicted to my iPhone, right? Let's, let's all, right? He said we must addict ourselves to prayer. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. Don't just, okay, you gotta pray to, to know God. Yes, we know that. But don't stop praying. Listen, if you prayed and fasted with us, you came to conference, you got that good shot in the arm. Listen, that, that, it, that, those events in itself were great, but that's not what's supposed to keep you, last you through the year. That's a catapult that's supposed to just get you going. Amen? That's the shot in the arm. That's the, the, the that thing that, that, that's what pushes you out the chute to get you going to continue. So I want to encourage you to press on to know him and don't stop praying. Obviously, the second thing we know, it's spending time in the word. Or like Miss Michelle Miller told me today, we were talking, Pastor Rob's wife, we were talking, she was asking me at the office today what I was uh, preaching on. And I was telling her a little bit and I was talking about the word and something she said, not just reading the word, but experiencing the word. She asked a profound question. She said, do we experience the word? Anybody can read the Bible, but do you experience the Bible? Is the Bible working in your life? Are you experiencing God through your times in the word? Or are you just reading to know facts? Are you reading to know to get the information? Listen, it goes back to John 1.1. 1, 1. We know this. Pastor Todd actually used the scripture Sunday as well. Amplified version. In the beginning before all time was the word, which is Christ. And the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word. These are his words. So the more you spend time in the word, the more you're spending time with Jesus. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll get to know Jesus. Amen. The more you get to know what Jesus is like. We always liken it to, once again, our, our relationship. That's why he talks about our relationships with our wives or wives with our husband. That's why he helps us to, to, to liken, to see that we are the, the bride and he is the groom. Once again, the, the more, and it, it usually happens, and, and you know, men, we're guilty of this. It usually happens before we get married where we spend a lot of time with, the, with, with our, who we want to be our bride, Right? 
Because we want to get to know them and we want to, you know, and it should be the same way. The more that you, whether it's a friend or whoever it is, the more you spend time with someone, the more you get to know them, right? Right? Y'all still with me? Is anybody taking a nap out there? Somebody's taking a nap next to me. Somebody elbow them. All right. Pastor Rob, you sleeping again? No? You good? All right. Good deal. Maybe that's why he moved so far back there. Maybe he's trying to, trying to hide to take a little nap on me back there. All right, listen, I, Psalm 119, 105, I, 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 saw, I saw this, this verse in a, in a new light, no pun intended. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We all know that scripture. We quote that scripture. Yes, it's a light to our path of life. But as I begin to read this, as I begin to think about this scripture, I thought about, you know, the word is a, is a light to the path to God. It's a light to the path to shine. It shines on God and who God really is. And we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna elaborate more on this on my last point. But that's what the word does. It, it lights the path to our intimacy with God, to our relationship with God. When you get into the word, once again, it's a, it's a 66 book love letter. How many of you ladies like getting love letters from your husband or from, you know, that, that means I gotta start writing love letters. My wife just raised her hand. But right, especially you ladies, maybe some of you men too, you love love letters when your husband just thinking about you and writing everything that he's talking, that, that he feels about you. This is what the more we spend time, it, it shines the light on who Christ is. It shines the light on who the father is. It shines the light on what it is that he's saying to us. It's our path to him. Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights are great. We continue to, 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 well, as we meet up on the road and go down the path together, but the word of God is daily the light to him. Amen? And the third thing, number three, is to worship. Now listen to this. Worship willingly. I didn't say just worship. Worship willingly. In, in first chronicles, King David was given instruction to his son. And this is what he says to Solomon. First chronicles 28. Verse 9, and Solomon, my son, listen, he says, learn again. Learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Even back then, Old Testament, with all the sacrifices and everything, David's instruction to his son, this was before he was given, he was giving him instructions. If you read this about building the temple, and he says, learn to worship, uh, learn to know the, 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 the Lord your God intimately, intimately worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind for the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought if you seek him you will find him but if you forsake him he will reject you forever King Solomon encourages a son to learn to know the Lord intimately and the very next word is worship through worship but he goes on to worship with a whole heart and a willing mind listen worship brings us in such great intimacy with the Lord. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that something about when, when you, when you get alone with the Lord or even on, on a, on a, on a service night or whenever and you begin to worship, there's something about that. I understand you can, you can sense God's presence and get intimate through prayer, through praying in the spirit, but something about worship. Is it just me or do y'all understand that? I know y'all understand. I know y'all, we're worshiping church. I know, you know, that's why we have we we have we kick off every service with worship 
Because it brings us into intimacy. It breaks down. I heard somebody put it this way. One of the reasons that we worship before we preach the preaching of the word, because a lot of times throughout life, throughout the day, our hearts can get hard. And worship is like the plow that, that, that plows up our hard hearts so the word of God, the seed of the word of God can be planted in it. It does something. It breaks down walls. It draws us into intimacy with the Lord. That's why we have worship every service. That's why we, we have a whole night dedicated to it. Oh, our overflow services that we had last week, last Wednesday, dedicate a whole service or sometimes we'll have them on Friday nights, a whole service or like Nathan and got a bunch of different worship leaders from a bunch of different churches all over town, the gathering. How many of y'all came to the gathering that night and just had a full on night of worship with all kind of different churches, brothers and sisters from the body of Christ. We know how worship brings us into intimacy. And that's why we always encourage y'all to worship in your own time, to worship when you're alone, not just corporately. So listen, but if you do these things just because we're telling you as pastors, you're not going to have the same intimacy. David said you must worship with a, with a whole heart and a willing mind. See, when you, cause this is the thing about worship. Or if you're going into worship just as like, you know, the pregame show to your prayer or the pregame show to service. See, the thing about worship, and I've said it a bunch of times, is when you true worship, when you go to worship in the Lord, it's, it's, you worship him because of who he is. Like somebody said, we praise him for what he's done, we worship him for who he is. So when you worship the Lord, it's like those of us that have kids, it's like your kid coming up in your life and just saying, mama or daddy, I love you. I love you and, and asking for nothing, not wanting nothing. You know, it, it doesn't that bless you. All the parents out there, doesn't that bless you when your kids just come up to you and say, I love you. You know, I'm telling you, it just does something. You know, me and my son, we went down to South Texas on a hunt uh, in December. And uh, one night we were in the camp and we, were, we had just finished eating and we were cleaning up and whatnot. And he was on the couch and him and his little friend, they were watching TV. And I walked by the couch and he said, hey, daddy. And I said, yeah, but what you need? And I, or I said, what, what, not what you need? I just asked him what. And he looked at me and I was kind of going back and forth. I was cleaning up. He looked at me and he smiled and he just said, I love you. Just out the blue. And I tell you what, I was just like, oh, man, I tell you what, that we could have not killed one more dove the whole week that we were there. And that right there was such a blessing. I don't know what he was thinking about. I don't know what it was, but he just stopped me just, I mean, on a full, full on walk just to tell me that he loved me. That's what worship is. Worship is stopping our busy schedule and stopping and saying, Daddy, I love you. Father, you're awesome. Father, you're amazing. And I think that's, that's the thing about it because it's a purity. It's a whole heart and it's a willingness just to, just to, just to dote on the Lord, so to speak. Just to love on him, just to adore him, just to tell him how awesome he is, how good he is, not wanting nothing, not coming. You know, I've said this before too. Have you ever been in your time with the Lord and you'll be worshiping and you, you just sense the presence of God and, and whatnot? And then you just, I, I know for me, I've, I've like felt like it was time to transition into prayer. And so I start praying. And I'm not joking. You might think I'm crazy. I might start praying in the spirit. And it's almost like I can sense the presence of God lifting. And I'm like, oh, no, no, wait, wait, come back, come back, come back. No. And I don't, I, theologically, I can't explain all that, but all I know is that in one minute I can sense God's presence and peace. And when I turn the corner to start praying about things, it's like it lifted on me. And I think that there's something pure in that moment in there. And you see, that's the thing about yeah, Sunday, being led by the Holy Spirit. There's times when you're intimate, when you get to know God, you learn how to f- sense the Holy Spirit's leading. Sometimes my prayer time is just worship. 
It might be an hour and all I'm doing is worshiping the Lord, just singing the music and thanking him. And that's it. And there's been times where I'm like, well, man, I need to, I need to start praying. I got things I need to pray about. I need to pray over this. I need to pray over that. I got a lot going on. I need to start praying. And one day the Lord dropped something in my spirit and he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. And in that moment, what he was telling me was like, you know what? Seek me first to be intimate with me and believe me, I know everything going on in your life. I can take care of those things without you even asking me. Amen? Intimacy comes at one of the greatest levels when we worship willingly. Amen? David knew the importance of this because we know that David wrote most of the Psalms. And when he was a shepherd boy, he worshiped. He had his heart. So we sing. Matter of fact, a lot of songs we sing come from the Psalms. And, and we know that he personally knew the power of, of, of worship and intimacy, and that's what he was challenging his son to do. Amen? Number four, number four, one of the greatest ways that, that we can know the Lord better is by putting on our new nature, putting on the new man. Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I love that. Three different scriptures Couple no, new couple no says as you learn to know him, put on your new nature. Well, what do you mean? How how does that what, how does that look? How does that look? It's not like you you could just go and put on a, a a new coat or something like that. What does it mean to put on? We know that we're new, right? If we're saved, we are new creations in Christ. What does it mean to put on? Well, he actually tells us a few verses, uh, and just a few verses uh, before that, he tells us how to do that in Colossians. The first thing is, is to focus on eternity. Focus on eternity. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. See, like I said earlier, you know, when you, when you come to get to, to know God, one of the ways you put on the new man is you start focusing on things of eternity. I don't know about you, but before I got saved, I wasn't thinking about eternity. One, because when I thought about eternity, it wasn't heaven I was usually thinking about. I was hoping for, but I just, ah, I didn't want to think about all that. I didn't want to think about it. He says, focus on the realities of heaven. And then later he goes on to say, by putting on the new man, we focus on, 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 when you start focusing on eternity, you start focusing on God, on his kingdom, on his plan, on his purpose. Amen. It's, that's one of the ways you renew your mind. That's one of the ways you do that. He said, be renewed as you learn to know him. One of the ways you renew your mind is start focusing on him. Renew. Once again, we have so much stuff on the earthly things. It says that, uh, uh, think about the things in heaven, not the things of earth. And once again, you know, and I'm not, I, I have one in my back pocket. I just used one and everybody just laughed at me. Okay. But, you know, we, it, it's fine. We have these smartphones, but you know, there's so much stuff that, that's on that phone besides the Bible app that it's, it's earthly things. I mean, I'm all about, I, I love keeping up with current events and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if we get consumed with that stuff, if we get consumed with what's going on in the news, if we get consumed with the stock market, if we get consumed with sports or our hobbies or what's on Pinterest or whatever the case may be, none of those things are bad in and of itself. But that's why he says, focus on the realities of heaven. Think about things of heaven, not on earth. That's how you renew yourself. You got to become new. You got to reprogram yourself. Amen. That's one of the ways we put on the new. And then the second way is we must continue to kill our sinful desires. 
continue to kill our sinful desires. Later in Colossians 3 and verse 5, it says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. That's a pretty graphic description, right? That that sinful man, what we call the flesh. Anytime we say the flesh, the Bible is referring to as your sinful nature. It's always lurking inside of you. I heard a pastor say one time, it's, it's like your, your, your flesh, your sinful nature. It's like, you ever watch those old like cowboy movies? And no matter, like some of these guys get shot 40 times and they keep getting back up. That's how your flesh is. No matter how many times you kill that thing, it continues to want to get back up, right? But we must continue. And if, uh, for time's sake, I'm not going to read it, but if you continue reading verses 6 and on, he starts giving specifics about what evils to stay away from, lying, sexual immorality. He goes into all of that stuff. We must continue to put that to death. And we do that, once again, by the, the Spirit's power, by fasting. Like, and I want to encourage you. We're going to have another fast in July. But, you know, you might feel the need to, like, I need to press on and know him more. I might, you know, you might want to go on a fast by yourself. That's a great way to put to death your sinful nature. But once again, when you start doing all of these things, when you don't stop praying, when you're spending time in the Word, you're seeking the, the, the Word of God to spend time, when you're worshiping willing, when you're doing all these stuff, it's easier to put together, to put to death your sinful nature, Right? I heard a great illustration about that because when you do these things, when you fill yourself up, when you pray, when you worship, when you, when you get in the word, you're filling yourself up with more and more God. As Pastor Todd said Sunday, once again, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's saying be continuously filled. Amen. It's like, how many of y'all like, might like, you know, when you might not want to raise your hand if, you know, but you like a buffet, you know, you go to a restaurant, you like to eat all you can eat buffet, right? With, and, and what's some of your favorite desserts? Just shout out your favorite dessert to me real quick. Okay. All right. Cheesecake. I heard cheesecake and that's one of my favorite too. So you know what? I don't know if you've ever been here, but you know, you, you, you go to a buffet and, and you know that cheesecake's at the end and you're like, okay, I'm going to eat me a couple good plates of food, but, but you know, I, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I, I can't wait for my cheesecake. So you go and you get two, maybe three, you know, you know, fasting's coming up. So I'm going to get three plates tonight. So maybe three big plates of food at wherever your favorite buffet is. And you go and you eat them and you, you know, you're full and you're like, man, you're, you're, you're stuffed at this point. You go grab that cheesecake or the pie or whatever it is and you go sit down and man, no matter how much you love that pie, you're so full, you might take one bite or not even a bite, just the look or the smell of it, you can't even eat it. And have you ever been there where you've been so full and you're waiting for it and you can't eat it? You know, you know, that's what happens whenever the enemy tempts you. Like I heard a man of God say, he was, he was sitting on his computer and he had a pop-up. This was years ago. He had a pop-up and it was some pornographic thing and it popped up on his screen and he X'd out of it. He said, you know why? He said, I'm so full of God. I don't have room for any of that junk in my life. Amen. That's what intimacy, that's what knowing the Lord. When you get so full up on all these things, you're putting on the new nature and it's easy to kill the flesh when you're full of the spirit of the Lord, when you're full of the things of God, when you're full of the word of God, when you're full of the presence of God. Amen. You so full, no matter how enticing that may look, you know what? We say that as duck hunters. Like when we have our decoys out and where we hunt, there's a big pond. So some ducks might go land, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, in the pond. And so we, there's some other ducks coming in. We're trying to call them to come in our decoys, but they go land by the other ducks. And my buddy always says, I mean, you can't compete with real ducks, you know? It's the same thing. Everything the devil does is counterfeit. When you're full of the real spirit of God, you know what? You, it, none of that temptation can compete with the real thing. Amen? Amen. All right. 
Last and definitely not least, the last way that you press on to know them is forget what you think you know. Forget what you think you know. I'm going to explain. Remember earlier we read Philippians 3 and verse 10? It says, Paul said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now listen to what Paul said later on in verses 12 through 13. And this is one, actually one of my favorite scriptures. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, I've taught on, you all have probably heard me teach on this scripture many times. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And I often... When I teach in the scripture, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, forgetting our past failures and mistakes and looking forward to what lies ahead, right? And that is true. I believe it's true too. But as I was studying this afternoon, I begin to see this in a different light. And I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about and even give another scripture in the same chapter to confirm it. Paul was taught in the strictest schools of the Pharisees of his day. And he thought by, you know what, him destroying the Christians that, that he would be doing God a favor, that he was good with God and he loved God, he would be doing God a favor. But once he encountered Jesus, he, he immediately began to seek to know who Jesus was. Now what Paul is saying is, you know what, I forget everything that I used to perceive about God and I press on to know him. To know who he really is. He thought he was doing God a favor. He thought that him going after the Christians was because of his relationship with God. But now he's saying, I forget that and I press on. And you say, well, Brandon, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, I'm glad you asked. Philippians 3, 5 and 8. Just a few more verses before that again. I'm, I'm staying all in Philippians 3. Listen what Paul says. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything. He's talking about all his accolades, the way he knew God, the way he was trained to know God. Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So why am I saying all that about Paul? Why do I say, forget what you think you know? See, most of us grew up and maybe different denominations are different homes. And we've been taught all kind of things about God that are not accurate. We've been, we, we, even maybe you've been born again and, and, and you've been in this church or maybe other really good sound biblically based churches, but maybe it's been hard for you to get to know God, to be intimate because you might still have a mindset of what God is like or who God is, maybe because of the way you were taught. We see it with Paul. He was taught the Jewish law and to be a strict Pharisee all of his life. He thought, Paul didn't think he was an evil person. He thought, man, they got a bunch of these bunch of knuckleheads, so say Christians coming on trying to do this new thing. And, and I'm, I'm, we're going to get rid of it because we love God. But when he really had an encounter with Jesus and found out who God was, he said, you know what? Everything I learned in the past, it's worthless now because of the value of knowing it. Listen, I want to encourage you. Tonight, 
that, listen, anything, any mindset you have about the Lord, anything that you've been taught or that you, maybe you're still holding on to it, that you think, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, forget about it. Do as Paul did and forget what lies behind. Forget the way you were trained, the way you were thought, and press on to know him. Press on to know. Listen, come ask what if you still have questions. Well, I was taught just this week. I, I talked, a matter of fact, actually just today. Just today I had a conversation with a lady that had something going on in her life. And she was asking me, well, I heard this, this, and this about, about this situation. Is that true? And I said, no, that is not biblically accurate at all. And I point her to the scripture. And so, listen, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to press on to know him. And if you maybe grew up, and I've talked to people I know in a denomination that was really religious or maybe was really loose or whatever, or just had this, this you had this thought about God, how God really, you know, is, is hard or harsh or, or whatever the case may be. And, I mean, there's, there's one extreme I've heard from, and still today, teaching of, of God one extreme to another. God is the most balanced person on the universe, right? He's not all, all strict and, 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 and hard and wants to beat you over the head, but he's not all grace either. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus came in the fullness of, of grace and truth. Amen. Perfect balance. So listen, I want to encourage you, maybe even after the service, maybe you have some questions about how, the way you maybe were taught about God growing up. I know for me, the, the way that the domination I grew up in, I wasn't saved. I didn't know I was made to go to church like most of us did as kids. And there was different aspects about God and what I knew about God and, and salvation and all this kind of stuff that, you know what, once I started reading the Bible and getting sound teaching, I began to know. And now it's easy to press on to know him because if I'm not sure, I go to the source. Amen. So I want to encourage you in that. Forget what you think you know. If it doesn't line up with the word, that might be a roadblock. You might truly desire to know the Lord better, to press in an intimacy. Maybe you have a roadblock. If you do, I'll be up here after. I'll be glad to try to answer any questions I can. We'll look at the scripture or, you know, uh, uh, moving forward. Amen. Okay, so in closing, to close this thing up, as I started out the saying, want to encourage you. And I know some of y'all are, 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 y'all are pressing on, y'all are. This is not, I'm not trying to fuss at y'all or nothing tonight or anything. I know a lot of y'all are pressing in and pressing on. So I want to encourage you. You're doing a good job. Keep on going. Hosea 6 in chapter 4 says this, as he continues on, he says, O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Asked the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like the dew in the sunlight. You know, every year when prayer and fasting is over and we don't have prayer meetings every day, some people's passion for the Lord vanishes. It disappears Literally, sometimes the very next week, I hear it. As a pastor, I hear, man, you know, I was doing so good during prayer and fasting. And just, you know, after that, it just, you know, it, it was a downless. Listen, I want to encourage you. Press in to know him. Don't let your passion, your love, your desire for it to be on fire for the Don't Don't let it vanish. Don't let it disappear. Amen? Don't let it go. Press on to know him. Press on to know him. And the last scripture, I'm going to go back to where we started. Look at some of the blessings, just just a few of many, but just since this is our main text tonight that he mentions that will happen as we do that, as we, as we press on to know him, or as if, if, if you hadn't been away for a while, you hadn't, maybe you didn't even join us in prayer and fasting. Maybe, you know, it was something that you was like, no, I really don't want to do that. And maybe you're like, you regret it now. Are you hearing this tonight? And the spirit of the Lord stirring you up to dig in, to dig deep, to go after him. Look at some of the blessings as you return to him. 
In, in, in chapter 6, verse 1 says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Amen? As we continue to press in to know him, comes healing, comes restoration. We get to live in his presence. Amen? Come on, I should excite you right there. We get to live in God's presence. God, once again, don't want to have just a visitation. He wants a habitation. He wants us to live and to walk and to be with him each and every day of our lives. So I want to encourage you to continue on. Press on to know him each and every day. Amen? Why don't you stand up with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your your provision that you made, Lord. Your provision on the cross. Come on, let's begin to thank him right now. That, that, that we can know him. That we can be in an intimate relationship with him. Come on, let's begin to thank him for the provision of the cross. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die for us. That the veil was torn from top to bottom, giving us access. And now you have encouraged us, Lord, from the, uh, a prophet in the Old Testament to a king in the Old Testament too, to the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, all through the Word of God, we see the call and the beckoning for us to know you. To know you, Lord God, everywhere from Genesis, we see you called to Adam and Eve. You had intimacy, Lord God, from the whole book, from the beginning to the end, all through. You're calling, you're calling for us to know you. Father, I pray that we would be stirred up, that we'd be set on fire. Lord God, to know you more. No matter how long we've been saved, no matter how long we've been in church, no matter how good we know the Bible, no matter how many worship songs we know, Lord, I pray that tonight, that no matter what, we would desire to press in and to press on to know you, that we wouldn't let circumstances, we wouldn't let busyness, our jobs, a relationship, a tragedy, the all feel, the economy, that nothing, Lord God, would hinder us from pressing on to know you more and to love you better. Come on, saints, are you all in agreement with that tonight? Lord, I want to know you. Come on, begin to tell them, Lord, I want to know you more. Lord, we press in, Lord, set a fire in us that we never waver, Lord God. That we, Lord God, don't stop praying. That we, we would be, as Spurgeon said, addicted to prayer. Lord God, that, Lord God, we would worship you willingly, not grudgingly, with our whole hearts in intimacy. That, Lord God, we have more of a hunger for your word than for food, Lord. We know that's our daily bread. Lord, help us to continue to renew our minds, to renew and put on the new nature, Lord God, and continue to, Lord God, uh, to, 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 to crucify our flesh, to kill the sinful nature. And, Lord, that we would forget what we think we know. If we, Lord, I pray right now for anybody, Lord God, that has a wrong mindset about you, a wrong perception of you, Father God. I pray that that perception would be broken. Lord God, I pray that a stronghold that maybe has been keeping someone because of a thought, a lie, maybe a wound, maybe you've been hurt in church. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a church and you went to a church where you got hurt. Maybe your child got hurt. Someone offended you. Someone cut you. Someone, someone betrayed you. And because that happened in church, maybe your view of God, maybe you have a hard time trusting God, trusting to get closer, trusting to get more intimate because you've been hurt by a child of God. Lord, I pray if that's anyone in here today, there would be healing in their life. And you bring healing and restoration and heal their wounds, Lord. Bandage their wounds as we just read so they can press on to know you more. In Jesus' name. 
And right now, while everybody's still praying, I want to ask, maybe you don't know the Lord. You've never even known him. You've never been introduced to him for the first time. As I just prayed, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, to forgive us of our sins, to make a way for us. Today, tonight, if you say, Brandon, I, I don't even know him. I've never known him in an intimate way. I don't even know if I'm right with God. I need my sins forgiven. I know that I'm not right, that if I, if I would pass on, that the eternity I spend probably won't be with the Lord. But I need to get right with God. Tonight, that's you. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. You say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with the Lord, but I need to get right. If that's you, slip up your hand right now. We want to pray. We want to pray. I see your hands over here. I see your hand in the back over there. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else say, I need to get right with God. I need to be saved. Anybody else? Okay, yo, those of y'all with your hands lifted, come on. If, if you if you believe this, the Bible says, believe with your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Come on, I want you to pray with me. Come on, saints, why don't we pray with him? Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I want to know you. I want to be in a relationship with you. Thank you for dying for me. That I can have a relationship. That I can have intimacy with you. That I can know you, Lord. Lord, give me the strength. Give me the grace to live for you and to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.